What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line, back today, is my regular co-host, Curtis. And today on the show, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to debut a new segment where we go back and review Kirby Smart's comments during his press conferences uh, we're going to do this during the season as well, if you guys enjoy it. Uh, but with spring practice, you know, one of the one of my favorite parts of spring practice is we don't really get all that inf- that much information from the beat writers coming out of practice because Kirby just restricts our access so much. But I love to hear what Kirby has to say. I look forward to every single week what he has to say in his press conferences. And in any press conference, there's always going to be a fair amount of generic coach speak. But one of the things I do love about Kirby and his press conferences is that he's, generally speaking, always been very good about being blunt and straightforward in his assessments of his team and individual players, and maybe even to a fault at times. I think you can make that argument. But still, even saying that, Kirby himself, as straightforward and blunt as he is most of the time, is still not above a certain degree of misdirection and subterfuge and can be guarded in his comments in certain instances with the media when it comes to particular topics like injuries and, and even like last year, especially the quarterback situation. Obviously, everyone was always asking about that, and Kirby was trying to manage that the best he could. And and as we discussed many times in the podcast, Kirby, I mean, it's pretty clear at this point. He used the media as a medium through which to send messages and control the narratives around the program. He wants to send messages to the media, to the players, to the fans, whatever it might be, to the SEC wants to send messages and control the narrative around his program. So the purpose of this news segment uh, is to peel back the layers of Kirby's press conference pronouncements and discuss whether we are buying or selling those comments and kind of dig into it a little bit. And we, we tried to, we, we've kind of done this before, you know, a couple years ago, but we didn't do it all last season. We're going to try to bring it back and we're going to kind of roll it out here and try to get all the kinks out during spring practice so we have it up and running, ready to go for the season. And, and we try to come up with a name for this segment that wasn't, you know, completely cliched and ripping off other podcasts. The first idea that came to mind was coach speak, because that's what it is. You know, you always have to kind of filter through all the coach speak when you, when you listen to a, a, a press conference. That's one of the reasons I hate listening to coaches uh, on like radio shows and, and other podcasts. I know like it's they, it's always the big time thing for those shows to get those coaches. They want that, and people because and, and, it does bring ears. But I've never really been one to listen to just a run of the mill press co- or run of the mill like interview with a coach because you just don't get that much information. Like all they tell you is stuff that you already know. They're trying. They're very guarded, uh, and it's just a lot of coach speak. So the, that was the first idea that came to mind. Coach speak, but. Look, man, like we, we're not done. Like we know that's been used before. That's certainly not new. So we kept brainstorming. We wanted a different name for it. And then it just hit me one day. Uh, like a lot of you guys, I'm sure, and maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of people like this show. But I am a huge fan of The Office. And it came out when I was in college. I've been watching it since then. Actually, during the season when I wasn't going back and rewatching uh, tape, I was actually you know in the process of going back and rewatching The Office. I just love this show, man. I watched it all from season one all the way through. Um, so I'm a huge fan of The Office, and particularly Michael Scott. I think Michael Scott is one of the best television characters of the past 10 to 20 years. I mean, my wife would vehemently disagree with that. She thinks I am Michael Scott in some ways and just can't stand the character, which is weird since she's married to me. But, you know, it's weird. Neither here nor there. But uh, with Michael Scott, it's just totally my sense of humor, and I just kind of connect with the character. But, again, besides the point, the point is, what I'm trying to get to here is uh, Michael Scott's That's What She Said catchphrase uh, I love it. Uh, I use it to the point so much that in my life, I just throw it out there even when it makes no sense. I, I kind of find it funny just saying it when it doesn't need to be said. It doesn't make any sense. It's kind of just a, a running joke between me and my wife and, and my friends. So with that in mind, 
instead of going with that's what she said, we're going to call this segment that's what he said. He obviously referring to Coach Kirby Smart. I know, I know, I know, completely lame, I get it, but we want this to be a little different, and at the very least, whatever you may say about it, as lame as it might be, it's at least different. Uh, and since this is the first time we have run this segment, we want to make it a free show and give everyone access to it. Uh, but before we get into Kirby's latest press conference, I do want to remind everyone that has not subscribed to our premium content on Podbean to give it a shot today. Uh, give it a shot. You get a, a free week trial just to see if, it, if it's worth $2 a month. That's all. We, we price it as low as we possibly could at $2 a month. Really, all we're trying to do is make sure that we can keep this show going and, and not be uh, running in the red. Uh, we are in the process right now of planning out some what we think is going to be some pretty cool content for our premium stuff on Podbean throughout the regular season once it arrives. We're going to have some cool stuff in the summer as well. We always run our Scouting the Enemy series, uh, which is uh, one, an annual series that we run that's, that's been pretty popular over the past couple of years. We get a lot of positive feedback from that. So if you want access to all of our shows, not just the one free show we post every week or every other week, um, just subscribe today on Podbean. It's only $2 a month. It'll give you access to every single thing that we put out there. So we hope it's worth your time. We try our best to make it worth your time. So if you're not subscribed, give it a shot today. And if you don't like it, then it's all good. But if you like the show, we uh, we think you'll like what we have on the premium side as well. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and get Curtis in here and move into the actual content you guys tuned in to listen to. Now, this press conference, when it be up front here, was last Tuesday. So we are admittedly a little behind in getting to this, and we will uh, we'll do our best to be more timely with it moving forward. But with this particular week, I actually came up with the, we actually came up with the idea after listening to last week's press conference, and we just didn't have time to get it recorded last week. Uh, we thought about just starting with this week's press conference, but we didn't want to skip what Kirby had to say last week because we thought there were some interesting things that came out of last week's press conference that we thought was worth discussing. So just a little disclaimer here at the top. Um, but we're going to start off uh, with some off-the-field stuff, kind of get out of the way. I usually hate talking about off-the-field stuff. We like for this podcast to be hardcore X's and O's type stuff. But sometimes you can't escape some things going on off the field. And uh, we're going to start there. So as I'm sure most of you are aware of by now, freshman Tyreek Stevenson and uh, rising senior Tyler Simmons. What was this, Carl? Like, oh, like not this past weekend, but the weekend before, right? Yeah, about a week and a half ago. Yeah, about a week and a half ago. That's right. Uh, so they were arrested about a week and a half ago at a bar downtown at Cloud, which formerly The Loft. Uh, never been to it when it's been called Cloud. Went to it often when it was The Loft when I was in college. But they were arrested at a bar downtown last weekend in charge with disorderly conduct. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson was the name we had first, right, Kurt? Then Simmons kind of came out afterwards. Yeah, because he, he had gone to the hospital, so we didn't know until Monday, I believe. Right, absolutely. So uh, Kirby, of course, uh, he addressed it at Tuesday's press conference. He certainly would have been asked about it, but so he, which he knew. Kirby's a, a very sharp dude and obviously knew he was going to be asked about it, probably one of the first questions. So he went ahead and just uh, addressed it uh, in some like predetermined comments uh, prior to actually opening it up for questions. So this was the first thing on his mind. So we're going to start here. And what Kirby had to say was this. Obviously very disappointed. Um, there's a standard of behavior that's expected of student athletes at the University of Georgia, and that's not indicative of the behavior we want at the University of Georgia. And I think uh, it's very obvious that those guys made poor choices and decisions, and uh, they will be disciplined. Um, they will be disciplined internally, and to be honest with you, both of them were cited for disorderly conduct, which I think you guys know. Um, but you got to find a way to make better choices and decisions, especially as young men that are going to represent this university. 
those things will be handled and they'll be handled the right way. So Curtis, are you buying or selling? Neither Simmons nor Stevenson will miss any game time in 2019 to a suspension related to this incident. Um, I think I'm going to buy it. Okay, why? You don't think like you don't think this is like because both guys were arrested, they were cited for disorderly conduct. Why? And now in the past, now obviously Mark Rick very different regime than Kirby Smart. We've had guys with with incidents like this that have been uh, disciplined with a suspension in the past. Do you think Kirby is moving away from that model? He's been trying to move away from that model since he got here, and I think yeah. one of the biggest reasons why, especially I'm going to buy it, is the timing of it. You know, if this happened closer to the season, you may see, hey, he'll miss a game or so. Um, but the fact that it's so far out, you know, still in spring practice, that he has time to make their life hell for a long period of time. Do you really think that plays a factor into it? Um, I think it does partially because at the same time, by the time, and the, I think one of the biggest reasons I say that also is because by the time the season starts, that's not going to be a narrative. Yeah, I mean, there'll be so much to be talking about, like because this is a minor incident, right? Like, yes, they were arrested and cited, but in, in, like I'm not trying to make excuses for them. Disorderly conduct, like, look, if my neighbor is being disorderly, I would be pissed, um, and it kind of embarrasses me that our guys are doing stuff like that. But like in the grand scheme of, of crimes you can commit, disorderly conduct is way towards the bottom of that spectrum, right? Yeah. Like it's not a major deal. Uh, still, it's something that should not be happening, and these guys have to know better. Have to know better. You cannot be doing that. But like, and this is this is kind of what we always complain about under Mark Richt was like, is this really something a player needs to be suspended for on the first offense? Uh, no. I mean, you know, like you said, it's not up to our standards, but compared to. Of the seriousness of the crime, I mean, mm. right? The seriousness of the crime. I mean, like one of my things with suspensions is I get you're trying to send a message, but like suspending players, like with Rick would always suspend players for every little thing, right? Yeah, and I want to try to teach them a lesson, right? Did it ever teach? Did it really teach these guys lessons? Did the suspension really stop them from doing it? All it ever did was hurt our team. Exactly, and a lot of these guys, especially some of the repeat offenders that eventually get kicked off the team for their uh, violations. Obviously, it, what you were doing by suspending them was not working. So you're not helping them. And at the same time, when you're not helping them, you're hurting the team. So it, there's got to be other ways to try to handle it. So like Jonathan Ledbetter was a great situation, a great example, right? Now, John, I mean, he missed a little bit of time, right? Um, yeah. But his situation was a lot more um, – and I hate bringing this up because I know he just did such an incredible job of riding the ship and getting his life on track. Uh, but like his situation was a lot worse than disorderly conduct, what happened there, that incident. But at the same time, Kirby handled it the right way. Because, like, in the past, like, with what we heard, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to know for sure, but there's a chance Mark Rick would have kicked him off the team right away with what happened. Especially the second arrest. But yeah, the second arrest especially. Like, he, I mean, almost certainly would have been gone with, with, with how Rick was running the show. And it wasn't just, like, we had, we had the personal conduct policy and all that. And it wasn't, sometimes it was out of Rick's hand, but he just certainly didn't try to push the issue and, and try to get that change like Kirby has. But Kirby educated John, right? Uh, and, and helped him grow into a better man, and that's really what helps these young men. Like suspending them doesn't do anything. It's the, now if you want to suspend them and educate them at the same time, okay, maybe that can have some impact. But I don't know why we feel like we have to suspend guys for a minor incident like a disorderly conduct, or why people have felt that way in the past. Um, I just don't think it it, it kind of requires that uh, that type of punishment when it's a simple disorderly conduct crime uh, or charge. So. For me, I, I really, I mean, if you look at what Kirby's done the past year and a half or so with these types of things, he has handled it internally with guys not missing playing time. Now, if it becomes a repeat type situation, then you have to reevaluate what you're doing and maybe a suspension is warranted in that, in that situation. But 
for two guys, one guy who's just gotten on campus and Tyreek Stevenson, and Simmons, who's been nothing but a class act since he's gotten here. We've never heard anything negative about Tyler Simmons. Uh, other than he, he's a guy that just put, he's a lunch pill type guy, comes in, puts his head down, goes to work. So a mistake from both these guys, no doubt. But right now, I don't think it's a mistake that warrants being uh, suspended at this point, unless it happens again. Uh, and, and before we move on, like we, we hear this a lot. Like Kirby's always saying, we'll handle it internally. What does that mean to you, Curtis, when you hear Kirby say, we're going to handle it internally? Um, I think the biggest, you know, one, you know, I think uh, a lot of running and things like that, you know. Making them puke, like, that kind of stuff. And I'm, Early like, morning runs. Exactly, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head too. Kind of like, uh, kind of teaching them, you know, t- you know, letting them learn from their mistakes, lesson wise. Um, you know, I think they put them through different th- programs, especially like you saw Ledbetter, who uh, it, I don't know if everyone knows, but you know, he was taking some rehab classes and yeah. things like that. Um, I think they try to support them while also um, educating them. Yeah, and I, I think that's the right way to handle it until it becomes a major issue, and then then you have to take a more drastic step, like maybe yeah, a suspension. Yeah, like, like similar to what you saw with like a Chauncey Rivers where we had no right. other choice. Uh, like we didn't, you know. We didn't want to we, do that. Exactly, but then, the you know. You keep doing it over point, and over. Yeah, yeah, at some point the code of conduct in the student handbook comes in. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt there. Absolutely. All right, so yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page there. So let's go to the next quote here from Kirby. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, – we're talking about the outside linebackers. You know, outside linebackers Jermaine Johnson and Nolan Smith are two of the new names on campus that we talked a lot about. And just in general, there's a high level of interest surrounding them right now. And of course, of course, with their names being on the tip of a lot of people's tongues, Kirby was asked about their progress and had this to say. I've seen hunger out of both those guys. I mean, they don't know exactly what to do yet, but, man, they do it hard. And there's something to be said for that. You know, we're going to play kids at the University of Georgia that give effort and play hard and do the right things. And those two guys, man, they play hard. Now, they don't know what they're doing yet. That's our job. That's our job. I'm very thankful that they're here at 15 practices. And, I mean, Nolan has flashed some plays. He made a hell of a hit today and a really good play. He's also flashing, what are you doing? And Jermaine's been the same way. You know, we call them Superman plays where you look out there and go, man, who is that guy? And you say, who is that jersey number? But then they're lost some too. So I'm fired up to coach those two guys. So I'm, I'm excited what they're going to do to the guys in front of them from a pushing standpoint. So, Kurt, that's some pretty uh, solid praise there for Jermaine Johnson and Nolan Smith. So are you buying or selling? Now, this is, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say here because you and I have both talked about both these uh, about both these guys quite a bit and uh, pretty high on these guys. Now, are you buying or selling that one of these two players, either Johnson or Smith, will surpass DeAndre Walker's seven and a half sacks from 2018, which led the team last year? Um, I think I'm going to buy it, and the whole reason I'm doing that is the fact that, I, you know, Kirby is trying to go towards a more Havoc-style defense, uh, which is going to potentially put give us opportunities for more sacks. I, I do – I want and to I believe the that. the fact is, too, that Walker was our only threat last year. Only uh, threat, yeah. So teams were game planning, you know, even if they're moving the pocket to the other side, they were trying to take Walker out of the game because he's the one person that could beat you. I think this year we have more balance when it comes to pass rushers and people that can, you know, that we can rotate in and out that can still have the threat of that, that you're not going to be able to game plan to go to one side over the other more. So, Yeah, that's a great point, man. And, like, I'll say this about DeAndre Walker. Like, I think – and we all know he's a good player. I think most Georgia fans say, yeah, DeAndre Walker's a good player. 
but I think he's underrated with what he did last year. I'm um, getting seven and a half sacks. More than just pass rushing. Absolutely, and like getting seven and a half sacks in the scheme that we were running last year. Because Kirby, I mean, he made it very, he's made it very clear multiple times, and he did on Tuesday's press conference as well uh, that schematically he did not feel confident in our backing because we had a lot of young guys out there. Besides, you know, obviously we had. Uh, DeAndre Baker, and then you have JRE, but we had some young guys, some guys in their first round experience with uh, Tyson Campbell out there for most of the year, and then Richard LeCount as well. So he was just not comfortable leaving uh, or being too aggressive in the front seven because he did not want to leave those guys vulnerable. He wanted to be able to have two deep safeties. And you watch this play last year, go back and watch it, guys, if you can find some of the tape. We played two high safeties for most of the year, especially the first half of the year, because Kirby just did not want to get beat deep with some of the, the youth that we had there in the secondary. Guys, he wasn't 100% sure he trusted. I mean, we know how hard he was pushing Richard last year and how he was sending messages. He was one of the guys he was sending messages to in the media last year. So with that in mind, we were not as aggressive up front. And, and even like when we're, when we're talking about just base downs, standard downs, like when we play some of these like mobile quarterbacks that we played you know many times last year, Kirby, throughout his time here in Athens, and even Alabama when they didn't have elite pass rushers, He's been very, very uh, kind of partial to the mush rush, right? Something that we've talked about yeah. a lot, where he doesn't want his defensive uh, pass rushers to go all out rushing the passer because he's he's afraid if you do, you create natural rushing lanes for the quarterback who then can take off and hurt you and move the chains with his legs. So like DeAndre Walker was not allowed to just line up and rush the passer every single down, and he still got seven and a half sacks. Uh, so, you know, I think DeAndre was a very, very good player for us last year. We kind of took over that, that Missouri game late in that game as well. And I really believe if he hadn't gotten hurt in the, in the SEC title game, like I'm, I feel pretty good saying we might have won that game. Uh, I believe that. But he got hurt, and then that allowed Hurts to be able to escape the pocket and go down there and score touchdowns. So it is what it is. Uh, but like looking at the at guys like Jermaine Johnson, Nolan Smith, yes, I think those guys are at least the equal of DeAndre Walker in terms of his ability to rush the passer. I know that sounds crazy. Because those, I mean, Nolan's a, a true freshman, and Jermaine Johnson we haven't seen at this level as a JUCO transfer. But everything I heard about about uh, Jermaine Johnson, everything I've seen from him, although I will admit that's not a ton that I've seen from him. What I've seen from him, plus what I've heard from people that have seen him here in Athens, and what I've seen from Nolan Smith, I've seen a lot of Nolan Smith. These guys have the ability, the athletic ability to rush the passer, and are also very advanced at this stage. And Jermaine Johnson's a grown man right now. Uh, so as good as Walker was, I think there's a chance. Like, I'm kind of hesitant to say I'm going to buy it flat out. I do think we're going to be more aggressive. I do think we're going to allow it to open up the, uh, our pass rush to open up a little bit more. And I do think you're right. I think that's a really good point you had there about we have multiple weapons uh, out there at any given time now at the outside linebacker position. So you can't really just slide your protection to one guy because the other guy will eat you up. Because Can you imagine having Nolan, in certain situations having Nolan on one side, Jermaine on the other, or Nolan on one side, Adam Anderson on the other? Like You can't slide your protection one way or the other, can you? No, no, you, no. You can't. So I, I feel like... There's a chance that somebody could be more productive, but there's a couple of reasons why I'm, I'm hesitant here to say yes. Somebody's going to surpass seven and a half sacks. Uh, number one is we have so many options, right? Like, is That's any one dude going to have enough options out there to get seven and a half sacks? That's a good question because we'll, we'll probably have a deep rotation. Yeah, I think we're going to rotate those guys. We're going to rotate Jermaine. We're going to rotate Nolan. We're going to rotate Adam Harrison. Britton Cox is going to get some time. Aziz Ojolari is going to get some time. I mean, these all, all these guys are going to play. So is any one dude going to be that, that Jarvis Jones who is lined up every time and rush the passer? Like, I just I don't know if we're going to have that. And then the second thing, mentioning Jarvis Jones, is – and this is just – I'm not saying it can't be done. This doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means it'll be something that hasn't been done in a long time. So if if either Jermaine Johnson or Nolan Smith, 
and we're just highlighting those two because that's who Kirby was talking about, who he was highlighting in his press conference. If either one of those guys surpasses seven and a half sacks from DeAndre Walker from last year, that would be our highest sack total by a single player since Jarvis Jones set a program record with 14 and a half in 2012. So that's something that hadn't been done in, in seven years. And Jarvis Jones was one of our best, I mean, the best pass rusher we've had, if you go by, by sacks, um, you know, we have, I mean, as good as, as Leonard Floyd was, he didn't do that. You know, Leonard Floyd's highest was six and a half sacks. As good as Lorenzo was, he didn't do that. Davin Bellamy didn't do that. Um, now, we haven't had elite pass rushers, really, um, since maybe Jarvis, but it would take some doing to do that. So, I, I'm hesitant to say buy here. So I'm, I guess I'm going to go sell um, for the reasons I mentioned, but at the same time, like, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Like, I, I don't know, like, it's not out of the question that one of those guys can do it. I'm just not sure they're going to get enough time enough opportunities to do that. But, um, hey, man, I, I do think we're going to be more aggressive. I do think that Kirby has more trust in the, in the back end right now. We have more options. I think Kirby realizes finally that we have to get more aggressive and create more negative plays for defense or for opposing offenses. Um, I'm just not sure if one guy is going to get seven and a half sacks. I feel confident saying we're going like, to get significantly more sacks as a team than we did last year. I just don't know if it's going to be one guy. But, uh, all right, let's move on. Next up, Kirby was also asked about rising sophomore offensive lineman Jamari Sawyer, who, if you remember, guys, was a former five-star and top 10-ranked prospect coming out of high school. And when he was asked about Jamari, Kirby responded with some glowing comments. He's, in three, four practices, he's most improved offensive lineman. Now, it's not center, because he's, he's, he's working at center as a candidate, but he's working at right tackle and right guard. And, uh... I'll tell you something. He's played quick. The biggest jump has been that guy. And you kept waiting on it because you knew that you were getting a really talented player. We, I didn't see the Jamari I've seen this spring. I didn't see that any in the fall. And he, he, he's challenging some guys. He's making other guys work hard. And you know, I didn't know if the guy could be a right tackle. Well, he's gone out right tackle, played well. He's gone out right guard, played well. He goes to center and blocks Jordan Davis. And then you start going, who is that? That's, that's Jamari. Who's that right guard? That's Jamari. Jamari's done some good things. And uh, we gave him some look today uh, with the ones. And we'll continue to do that if he continues to play well. So, Curtis, are you buying or selling Jamari Salyer will be a starter when the season starts against Vanderbilt? Uh, I'm going to sell it. I just think for the fact is that – I mean, let's It's honest, a tough a one for guys, me. It's a tough one. Yeah, there's a lot of guys ahead of him, and I think also the biggest thing but is – But are they uh, ahead of him right now? Because judging by what Kirby said, he's getting some work with the ones. Yeah, but how many times have you seen that before? True, true. We mix and match. That's true. Fair point. And I think the biggest thing also is uh, you yeah, – I'm not saying there's anything wrong with cross-training – but it does make it hard to be a starter from, you know, when the season starts, when you're being cross-trained because you're not being uh, exactly polished at any one certain position to say, you know, that's where you take all your reps to get comfortable and get the continuity that you need to go. That's a great point, man. That's something you just kind of gave voice something I've kind of always struggled with is like, okay, versatility is great, right? Like being able to move, play tackle or guard, it's great. You know, you want to be the first guy off the bench, the more position you can play, the better chance you have. But at the same time, you're exactly right. Like, can you really master one position if you're constantly moving back and forth between different spots? No. I, 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 yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough, man. So I'm with you on that. That's tough. I, I would, like for me, I would prefer one guy, a young guy, settle into a one position before you start learning another. And I don't know if Jamari has completely settled into one position because he played a little center last year, uh, at least, you know, in practice, a little guard. Now he's playing a little tackle. Um, and I get you want to try different guys out so you can get the, the best five on the field. I totally understand that. 
I just, but I'm with you. Like, I, does that really help a guy? Like, does he not need to master a position first instead of being a jack? Like, don't you want to be really good at one thing instead of just being a jack of all trades? Uh, and, and I guess there's there's value to both. There are, but I always think you need to find a guy that's just really good at like make sure he's good at one thing. Like, really, he's elite at one thing, and then you can work him in other spots. So, and maybe Jamari's gotten there. I don't know. I haven't seen him in practice. Um, but I, I mean, there's a little birdie uh, that I have at practice that told me this week this weekend that Jamari was working with the ones at right guard, and that Ben Cleveland was working with the twos at guard. Um, so look, and again, this is very early in practice, right? This is extraordinarily yeah, I mean, early. I'll say the only reason that doesn't shock me is, as, all right, as good as Ben is, you know, we all talk about how good he is. But the thing is, we've seen that there's not really a drop off when he came out. Not a significant drop off, right? And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, if there's a drop off, I mean, you saw with Cade Mays. True freshman good. Cade Mays came in and did just fine holding down that spot. Yeah, and I mean, Hill showed he was a freshman, but he still held his own for the most part. And I think that's the biggest thing is at the end of the day, is there that big of a drop off where Salier can probably make up with it with certain things that, as good as Ben is, I don't think that. I mean, uh, no, I, I think he's not. He, let's just be real. Ben is a freak of nature, big, super strong. Like he doesn't. It's almost like he doesn't have an ounce of body fat on him. And he's just massive, right? But is he as athletic and quick as Jamari Salyer? No, and, he's and not. not at all. Especially when you start. I mean, you saw against like certain teams, especially Alabama. Ben Cleveland struggle when he does play against some of those bigger teams yeah. with the faster guys. And then I think at the same time, with the day and age of football we're in now, it's almost we're almost better off as bad as it sounds to try to keep someone like a Jamari Salyer happy with recruiting how it is right now. With the portal? Is that yeah, what you with mean? The port- with the portal and then also trying to sell to, you know, kids that were recruiting. I mean, if you have a guy that's as highly ranked and as, I mean, and I'm not saying Salyer is overranked either. I think he was just, you know, just, a oh, he was ranked. dominant in camps. I saw, I yeah, saw him in camps saying he was dominant in camp setting. Exactly. So I, I'm not saying his ranking was bad and then we have to play him. Like, I'm not saying it's a field situation, but if you have someone like that and you're keeping them off the field and things like that, and they're unhappy and then your know, team's going to use that against you in recruiting. So and plus guys really go on official visits and they talk to these guys and they'll give them their take on it. And if they're not happy, then it, it doesn't speak well for your program. Exactly. So can you really just keep him off the field and that ask? I mean, it, it's just a question of... But at the same time, don't you want to play the best player? Well, and, and that's why I said I don't think Ben, there's a drop-off enough to where you really are like, mm, we're just playing we're just playing him to keep him happy, and I don't think that's the case. And this is a really good assessment situation, man. I really do. And like, like Jamari, he's not as big as Ben, but Jamari is not small. Jamari is 6'4", 320, last time I checked. Now, I don't know how accurate those numbers are in terms of where he is right now, but Jamari is a big dude, okay? He's not, he's not the same size as Ben Cleveland. He's not that same frame, but he's a big, strong dude himself. And here's the thing about Ben, as good as he is, he's really only success. I mean, his his strong, his strong point is straight ahead run blocking. When it comes to sure. everything else is where he struggles, and I think that's where Salyer's um, more versatility, you know, when you're yeah. talking about his, his foot speed and quickness and things like that, is kind he's of a better him. athlete he is, just overall. Yeah, which is what could set him apart as the, as the more he plays. Yeah, and look, I mean, I love Ben. Like, I, if Ben was the best guy they put out there, I'd be happy with it, man. I mean, I, I, it was a shame that he went down like he did last year. Not like he was playing well before he went out, but you're right, there wasn't that much of a drop-off once we sent the other guys in. Now, there was a, you know, I don't think they were quite performing at the level Ben was performing before he got hurt, but it wasn't like a noticeable significant drop-off where 
where like our offensive line was just in shambles now. Uh, those guys came in, whether it was Cade Mays at first, and he gets injured, then Trey Hill comes in. Those guys held down the fort and did a good job. Um, and you're right, I don't think physically, I don't think there's that much of a drop-off with Jamari. Not quite as big and strong as Ben, but who is? He's not, but he's just, there's not like a major difference there. I think there's a bigger, uh, here's what I would say. I think there's a bigger difference between Jamari's athleticism and Ben's athleticism than there is between Ben's strength and Jamari's strength. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, like, for me, I, I, I think there's just a lot that Jamari brings to the table that, and I'm not saying, like, and Ben's a good athlete. I'm not saying he's not. But Jamari is an elite offensive line prospect or an elite offensive line athlete. Uh, and Ben, if there's one area where he struggles, sometimes he struggles to bend. He struggles to, you know, he does not necessarily have the best footwork and, and foot speed where Jamari – that's what that's what he has in spades, and he's also a big, strong dude. Now he's got a year in the program who can hold his own there. So like, and it's going to be an interesting battle. It's so early. I'm not ready to say Jamari Sawyer is going to be the starter. I mean, well, I guess I have to buy or sell this. I'm gonna, right now. I'm going to say buy. I'm going to say buy right now. Uh, and, and like, I reserve the right to change this opinion as as I actually see them in 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 action because I have not seen Jamari this year. And from everything Kirby's saying there, it sounds like he is much improved. So I've got to see him in action before like I, I, I go all in on this. But if I had to pick one or the other right now, based on what I know of Jamar and what kind of prospect he is and what he brings to the table and what Kirby's had to say about him and now the fact that he's working with the ones right now, uh, and, I mean, he overtook that spot pretty quickly, like a week, you know? I mean, that's that's pretty quick. So he had he had to catch some eyes there. Um, so I, I, I guess right now I would go with bye. And I'll kind of either confirm that or readjust it once I see him in, in action on G-Day. Or how much you can really tell from G-Day. But uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me if Jamari's that guy. But we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of competition there. And it's still very early in spring practice. We have all fall camp to go. So Ben will have his say. Other guys will have their say as well. Cade Mays, all these guys will have their say uh, before it's all said and done. But uh, next, let's take a look at the cornerback position, which I think – personally, along with inside linebacker and outside linebacker, is maybe one of the most intriguing position battles going on this spring. And Kirby had this to say when asked about the competition. Uh, Tyson's doing a good job. He's in a really good competition. What, what's, what's good about the corner position, we got some guys coming along. DJ Daniel is, which we knew in bowl practice, that he was going to be a good player because he was covering the likes of the ones who were at the combine. So we knew he had a pretty good player with DJ. Uh, Tyson has improved. He understands the defense better. He's bright. Um, he's doing some good things out there. Stokes is doing some good things. I mean, even uh, Tyreek Stevenson has picked some things up. So we've got some good competition at that corner position. Kurt, I have two questions here. We'll get to the buyer's sell in a second. But, but first, I just want to throw this at you. So he starts off by talking about Tyson Campbell. He's doing a good job. He's improving. But he also has some very positive things to say about DJ Daniel, the JUCO transfer. So in your mind, who is more likely to start the season at one of those cornerback positions, Tyson Campbell or DJ Daniel? I'm going to go with Tyson Campbell just because he's been in the system a little longer. And realistically, even though Campbell struggled last year, it wasn't for not being in position and things like that. It was just making the plays. Ball also, skills. Yeah, his ball skills showed that he, you know, he was picking it up, and I don't think that was his problem last year, and that he, he'll get better in that in that position. Sure. And, a, and a, I think DJ Daniel is more or less like a insurance policy. Like I think he can play for us if we need be. And the reason, and I'm not saying DJ Daniel doesn't deserve to be talked up like he was, but I think he's also trying to keep, continue to challenge uh, Tyson Campbell to get better and not get comfortable, and to not expect that hey, this is my my spot. I'm penciled in. Yeah, I mean, all of that makes a lot of sense, man. Uh, it's hard to argue with too much of that. A um, couple of things I would say, like, I, I agree with you. I, I think Tyson Campbell is, he's the prototype of what we want at cornerback, right? 
Yeah. With the size, the length, the speed, the athleticism. The only thing he lacked last year was just the ability to like I shouldn't say the ability, but like the the finer points of playing the position, the the awareness, getting your head around, the ball skills, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's a guy with elite track speed in a in a, an NFL frame for a cornerback. Let's just be real, about six two right now. Uh, he's not afraid to hit. He he is the prototype of what we want. We just gotta get him ready to play. Now, saying that, there were some times last year, as good as you, as fast as you, you can be, as fast as you want, you can be as tall and as long as you want, but if you don't know where the ball is in the air, you're going to have a tough time winning those battles. And we saw that last year, and it led to him ultimately getting benched later on this season. Now, this is an entirely new season. He was a true freshman last year, certainly not giving up on Tyson Campbell. Um, But when you look at a Juco guy, DJ Daniel, typically, there's two reasons you bring in a Juco. Either for, like, you need depth right away. Or you're bringing them into play, right? Because you you have an immediate hole where you need some guys to play right now. Um, and I and I I think with Daniel, we see a guy that can come in and certainly compete for a starting job. I don't know if he's as like you, I don't know. You said he was an insurance policy. I don't know if I would quite go that far. I think he might be a little bit better than just an insurance policy. But at the same time, I, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't trying to say it that way. But I think it's a fact that we'll feel comfortable with whoever's out there. Yeah, I mean, whoever rises to the top, right? If it's Campbell, if it's Daniel, whoever it is, maybe the best man win, right? Yeah. And that's what, yeah, so that's fair. Okay, that makes sense. And that's what Kirby's all about. Uh, I think I'm with you right now. I'm going to go with Campbell because he has been in the defense for, he's been in this system for a, a year now. I do think he has the better upside of the two. DJ Daniel, though, I mean, it's hard to say because I haven't seen DJ on campus yet. This one's really hard, maybe even harder than, uh, than Jermaine Johnson because I haven't seen as much of DJ Daniel. I've seen a little bit of him on tape, but not a ton. Um, but I know he was highly recruited, highly sought after by some guys that I have a lot of respect for in terms of their evaluation of high school prospects and JUCO prospects. But ah, man, I don't know. It's like I think he he might be like more polished right now, maybe. But I just don't think he has the physical upside. So if Campbell can just fix some of the issues that he had last year, and right now I think the odds are he will. He's got a great, you know, Kirby is a great defensive back coach. Uh, Charlton Warren's brought in has a great reputation for coaching defensive backs. And like you said, Campbell's been in the system for a year now. He's had a chance to work on some of these things. So I'm still a believer in Tyson Campbell. Uh, now, if he comes out and does a lot of the same things that he did last year, then I'm, then there's going to be some cause for concern. But I'm going to give the guy a chance right here. I still believe in him at this point. So I'm with you. I'm going to go with Tyson Campbell's more likely to start, but I certainly wouldn't count out DJ Daniel. I think he's going to make a big push for that job. He was brought in to certainly compete for one of those jobs. Uh, all right, uh, next, sticking with the cornerbacks for a second. Another... Uh, aspect of this that I found kind of interesting is is that one of the last things Kirby said about the cornerbacks there. So I'm going to go back to this. He said, uh, quote, even Tyreek Stevenson has picked up some things. So we've got some good competition at the cornerback position. So I'm going to look at that for a second. There was some talk about Tyreek Stevenson, his body type. He could play safety, he could play corner, he could play star. I don't know about you, Kirby, but I, I took what Kirby said there to, to mean that Tyreek Stevenson right now is playing corner. Is that what you took? Yeah. That's exactly what I took. So I'm going to ask you this. Buy or sell, Tyreek Stevenson long-term sticks at corner. I'm going to buy that just because I think of the players that we got. I mean, you got you, um, when you look at Lewis Sign or however you say it. Sine, I think, uh, is how they pronounce Sine, it. The biggest thing about him is I think he's a safety. Uh, sure. he is, he, oh, he is a safety. Sine is a safety. Yeah, see, Stevenson can play both. So, But I think that right now they're going to try to get him. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guys who have a safety. Obviously, Richard's going to be a, a rising junior. He might, I mean, uh, he's going to have to have a big year to think about going pro, but he might, and it's certainly within the realm of possibility because he's a great athlete. But you got Otis Reese there as well. You bring in Scene. Um, so there's some guys that we can play at safety. You still got uh, Chris Smith that we can play at safety. 
I think Stevenson, I, I think he's a, I think he fits best at corner. I think he can play all those positions that we mentioned. I think he can play safety. I think he can play in, in the star. But I think corner is where he could be elite, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think Kirby's going to give him every opportunity to to, to play there. Uh, now maybe he can slide in and play some uh, some star as well. But I think Devon Wilson's the guy right there at this point. Um, so, I mean, but the thing with Stevenson, I will say, though, like there's going to be a spot open at safety next year. JRE is going to be gone. And maybe two spots. Maybe Richard goes. Maybe if he, I hope Richard has a big year. So he, I mean, I, I don't want him to leave, but if he has a big year, then then okay. Um, so there, there's going to be at least one, maybe two safety spots open next year. I mean, but look at cornerback. Let's say Campbell wins the job this year. Campbell's got at least another year. Let's say if Stokes keeps that job, he's got at least another year, right? Yeah. Uh, so there might like he might have a a a, a quicker route to playing time at safety, and then maybe eventually slide over to corner once those guys leave. I, I mean, so that's a possibility, but I think long-term we see Stevenson as a corner, and I, that's where I see him, and Kirby's a much better evaluator of talent than I am, um, and it seems to be that's where he thinks Tyreek fits best right now because that's where he has him working. Now, well, things can change. He can be moved, but right now, I think at least for this year, he's going to stick at corner, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, all right, let's move on. Now, uh, a position that I believe we need to upgrade in a big way if we are serious about being a top five level defense and you guys know this as we talked about this ad nauseum last year is inside linebacker we were solid there last year but we were never great and certainly not elite but we do have some young talent at that position that where that has a chance to change this year and kirby had this to say about the inside linebacker position one guy who's good things has been the kobe dean he's he's very intelligent he's very instinctive He's going to challenge some guys, and uh, he's got to continue to grow and learn. But, uh, you know, Channing and, I mean, uh, Channing, Monty, Quay, Tay, even Jaden, they're all doing a good job. They're all competing. But as you know, we just had two guys leave the program, and uh, they, I thought they were both great team players and competitors, but they were not elite speed-wise. And we're not going to be able to play until we get an elite speed guy in there that can run and chase things down, and we're still looking for that. All right, so before I do the buy or sell on this one, Kurt, I'm going to ask you to take the kid's glove off for a second. And I want you to restate the last part of what Kirby had to say there. So I'm going to read this one last part again. He said, uh, but as you know, we had two guys in the program, and I thought they were both great team players and competitors, but they were not elite speedways. He's talking about uh, Nature as Patrick and uh, Jawan Taylor there. Uh, we are not going to be able to play until we can get an elite speed guy in there who can run and chase things down. We're still looking for that. So obviously Kirby has a relationship with these guys. He doesn't want to hurt their feelings. He wants to be you know, tactful and all that. But take the kid gloves off for a second. And I want you to restate what Kirby was really trying to say there if tack was not a concern of it. So if Kirby didn't care about what anybody's feelings were, how would he have actually said that? What did he? What was he really trying to say? Pretty much we were not good enough at that position last year to be elite that that, um, that we had, you know, players that played hard and things like that, but they were just not elite, and that's one of the biggest things that hurt our defense last year. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, he was basically, like, saying what you and I were saying all last season, right? That, yeah, that, that's what held us back. Yeah, he, that's what he was saying. He was simply saying, like, we weren't good enough there. He, he, like, he does the whole, like, you know, oh, there, it's like, you know what? He's a really good dude, but damn, he's annoying, right? You, you know, it's that, that kind of thing. It's like, I thought they were both great team players and competitors, but they were not elite speed-wise. We're not going to be able to play until we can get an elite speed guy in there. So basically, like, they just weren't good enough. They're what we had to work with. They're the only guys that were ready from a knowledge standpoint, but they weren't good enough. And then, I thought this was crazy. We're not going to be able to play until we can get an elite speed guy in there and chase things down. We're still looking for that. So it sounds like to me, he's saying, we can't run my defense. We cannot run my defense the way it was meant to be run until we get elite talent there. Like, oh, by the way, we had Roquan Smith, right? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly what he's saying. Like, you that's know, what he's saying. We, we pretty much we had to. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, we had to make do. Yeah, we, we had, had to compensate. Almost. Yeah, we had to. You know, do, do not. We had to run what we didn't want to do, but we had to do what fit our team. It was a shame. It's like we had the athletic guys that were young, like Channing Tindall and Quay Walker, but they just weren't ready. They just were not ready from a knowledge standpoint. And Kirby puts a premium on trusting guys out there. So to him, he'd rather have a guy he trusts that maybe is not quite the athletic uh, type talent. Then have a guy who's a super athlete but doesn't know what to do. You heard Kirby say it last year in the press conferences during the season. He's like, we we have who we have. Yeah, he's he's like, guys, if, if we had other guys, they'd be out there. If we had guys, if we had guys that we trusted more, they'd be out there. And he's I mean, right. He like, saw, he's he saw in his very first year, he would say that about the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, and like he's usually pretty blunt about these things. And I, like he was being as blunt as he could here without like trying like just completely like tear down these guys who worked hard for him. Um, but like that's what he was saying. I mean, this is exactly what he was saying. Like we just weren't good enough, and like we couldn't run my defense because these guys weren't good enough. And inside linebacker is, is a critical position for the Kirby Smart Nick Saban defense. It, it just is. I mean, think about all the guys Nick Saban's had over the years, and Kirby had all over the years there at Alabama at that position. I mean, they were just always elite, and that's one of the reasons their defense hardly ever missed a beat because they always had a plug and play type guy. And last year we didn't have those guys. We did not have anybody in the system because we were still kind of using Mark Rick's recruits, right? Yeah, so we, we didn't have those guys in the system. Yeah, and, and that, that's – I feel confident saying that's not going to happen again. Like last year is the last time that's going to happen in that position. Kirby knows how critical that position is for his defense, and he will not be in a situation where we do not have the next guy ready to plug and play at that spot. I we mean, just didn't have it. what you've seen with our offensive line. After that yeah. first year, you never see that problem again. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't seen the last two years, and I just – I don't see it happening in any time soon, man. So – I, you know, and so that's kind of what I think he was getting at. I and mean, he, he he was pretty blunt, but he also was trying to hold back a little bit there. So if there was no holding back, I think that's what he would have been saying. But anyway, so the next thing here, buy or sell. So he was he's really praising Kobe Dean, building him up there. Um, and I'm not going to say at the beginning of the year, but I'm going to say buy or sell. Kobe Dean will start at inside linebacker at some point this season. I'm going to sell because I think if someone's going to be the guy to make a jump, because I, I mean, you and I both believe that more likely you'll see uh, Tay and Monty start just right. because they're the older guys. Um, that if anyone's going to be the first guy to jump into starting lineup, it's going to be t- uh, Channing. Yeah, I think Channing would probably be the and, first guy. And then I think Quay's going to make a move too. So I'm very is, high on Quay Walker. You guys know that if you listen to the show. I, I believe in him. Yeah. And so as much as Nakobe is, I think that he has uh, – uh, he has an, a you know a journey ahead of him to try to pass up the two young guys ahead of him. Like if if Quay and Channing were not there, I think that I would buy him starting at some point. But he's yeah. going to have to make one heck of a jump. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, man. Because Kobe Dean's a, a heck of an athlete, man. He's he's on the smaller side. Like he's even smaller than Ro- like a little bit smaller than Roquan Ro- was. Not much, but a little bit coming out of high school. But he also is not going to have two years to get his body right like Roquan. Like Roquan in two and a half years, like his body changed. You know, he got thick. It wasn't always that way coming to high school. And so, you know, right now he's going to be a little bit on the smaller side. But he, I will say this about Nakobe. He might be a little smaller. Um, he strikes, man. Like, he brings the wood. It, part of it says he's such a great athlete. He arrives with I mean, that intention. He's more athletic Monty because Monty will smack you when he gets you, but he's, he's just not very athletic. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, difference between the two. That's a good, that's a good comparison there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, he's small, but he, he will strike you. Um, but he, he just brings on the table. Like even like I, I think Tyndall is the next close to him speed wise. But I think Dean's on another level than what even Tyndall is as a, as a, as a guy who can run sideline to sideline. I think he he's rare. Like he's the he's that one guy on our team. Not that Tyndall isn't that guy. Not that Quay Walker isn't that guy. I just think Dean's maybe a, a notch above them in terms of his his speed and athleticism. 
Um, but he is a little bit smaller. He's also a smart guy. I mean, he, I think he won a scholar athlete award at his high school. He had a, like an over a four, at least a four point maybe higher GPA at his high school in Mississippi. Um, so a really smart dude. So maybe, maybe that helps him learn the position and, and kind of learn the playbook a little bit quicker than maybe your average player. Maybe a guy like Tyndall took him a little bit longer last year. So maybe that helps him. But I'm with you. I think right now with Rice and Crowder and Tyndall, and I, I, right now I, I still want to say Quay Walker ahead of him. Um, it's going to be an uphill battle to start. I do think he'll be in the rotation at some point this year, and maybe as early as week one against Vanderbilt. Like that's I, Right now, I'd say that's probably likely, in my opinion. I just don't know if I would go as far as saying he's going to start. Now, I think I would I would qualify that and say, like, barring injury, right? Yeah. Like, if there's injuries, you know, of course, I'd feel he'd be fine. He could, he could do that. But without injuries, I don't, I don't know if he'll start in year one. I think year two, all bets could be off there. But year one, I don't know if I'm ready to go that far. So I'm going to sell it as well. And then finally, now Curtis, you had previously identified running back as the most intriguing position battle for you this spring. And, and Kirby at this press conference last week was asked about Brian Harrion, who is obviously one of the prime candidates as a senior now. Hard to believe, man. I remember that first carry in North Carolina a couple years ago. It's crazy, senior now. But he's one of the prime candidates for serious carries this season. And Kirby had this to say about Brian Harrion. Hard to cover, explosive. I think you're just seeing more of Brian because before he was, you know, sharing, 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 and he gets a chance to do a lot more. And uh, he's worked really hard, and uh, we need him to be a good leader on the team. Um, did anything that he said there about Brian Herrien surprise you at all? No, I mean, effort, things like that have never been Herrien's problem. Right, and Kirby has. A, I'm gonna be honest. Kirby has a soft spot for Herrien. I think it goes back all the way to when Harry like Herrien had he had to work to qualify, right? Like, he was a late qualifier, and most teams, almost basically every other team other than us had given up on him, but Kirby did not give up on him. And Brian rewarded him by qualifying and, and getting his eligibility and, and, and thinking that, obviously, that, that touchdown on his first character against North Carolina was a great moment for him. Uh, so I think Kirby has a, little small, a soft spot for him and how hard he's worked uh, to get here to this point. And Kirby, I mean, as, as tough as he is, you know, he's kind of a, he can be a little sentimental dude sometimes when it comes to stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm not really surprised. And honestly, I think Brian Herring's a good player. Like, you know, when I was saying a couple years ago that I thought Holyfield was better, would be a better option for us and more productive, I wasn't saying that because I thought Hol- uh, that Herring was bad. I just thought that Holyfield would have been a better option for us. And I, and, I, and I stand by that. Holyfield was a thousand yard rusher last year, you know, notwithstanding the, the horrible 40 times he's run here trying to get ready for the NFL. Um, but I don't really care about the 40 yard dash, I care about how productive you are. And he was very productive for us. Um, but Brian's a good player, and I'm actually comfortable with Brian. Uh, but here's my question for you, Curtis. Who is more likely? So we had two thousand. We've had two thousand yard rushers the past two years, right? Yeah. Each of the last two years, we've had two thousand yard rushers. So, and look, it might not happen again this year. I don't know, but let's just say it does. Let's say we get Swift at thousand yards. Knock on wood, he stays healthy. And then, my question for you is, who is more likely to be the other thousand yard rusher, Brian Harrion or James Cook? I'm probably going to go with Cook. Okay, now we talked about this a little bit last week, and for this, anyone who might not have heard our, your explanation on that, tell me why you're going to go with Cook as uh, the guy who might be a little bit ahead of Herring at this point. 
Well, first off, I think that Cook's versatility, and I think that the one reason I especially think that you'll see Cook maybe get some more yards is I think Cook is so explosive that he's the type of guy that can rack off a you know, 50, 60-plus yard run, the big explosive play right away that it will allow him to get more yards. Where Harrion gets hard yards, but he's not a big explosive runner because his vision really lacks, in my opinion, still is not. That, that is, his, I think, one big weakness, yeah. Yeah, I think that's his Achilles heel. So it's, it, it's, I mean, I don't think it's going to change because he is who he is. He's a senior now. And so I think with Cook's ability to make the, you know, at any one time to take it to the house, that that's going to be one of the biggest things that's going to help him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I, well, I, I agree with you. Like when you say James Cook is more explosive, uh, yes, absolutely. Now, Herring can be explosive in his own right, but he's, I, I think, actually, I think Herring's more explosive than Holyfield was, but Cook is more explosive than Herring. I think that's what Cook brings to the table. Yeah, and I think Cook has the better vision, too. I mean, you oh, yeah, see yeah. it, but it wasn't, it, he was just. I mean, I think Cook's biggest problem last year was not knowing the plays because they tried to give him the ball and he would screw up and Kirby would just chew him out. Uh, he would do that quite a few times, there's no doubt. Um, I think like this is a tough one because all these are tough. Um, honestly, I'm not sure we're going to have 2,000-yard rushers this year. I really don't. Uh, I think there's a chance that you – know, I think we're going to have a 1,000-yard rusher and a couple guys like you know between five and 700 yards rushing. You know, let's just say that back. Between three and 600 yards rushing. Does that sound about right? With Harry and Cook – uh, maybe even Macintosh when he gets in here, and, and who knows? You know, we don't know what we're gonna get from Zeus right now. But if he comes back kind of healthy, there's a chance there, right? Uh, that he that he could get into the the mix there. So I just I don't know if there's gonna be that clear cut number two back, right? Whereas the past two years we've had two thousand yard rushers. It's because we had one. And honestly, with with Sony and Nick, like there wasn't even a clear number one guy. Like to me, they were co number ones. And last year. Um, you know, when, when Holyfield was rolling early in the season and Swift was coming off that injury, Holyfield, to me, was the number one guy. Then, then you know, uh, Swift gets healthy, and I think by the end of the year, we saw the, that Swift was that guy, right? But uh-huh. And I think Swift's going to be that clear guy this year. I think it's a little bit different than the past couple years. I think Swift is going to be the clear guy to start the season, and maybe one of these guys surprises. But I just don't know if we have a clear number two guy. I think Harry and Cook, Zeus, depending on, on uh, ability, health and ability, um, coming back from that injury, could factor in as well. Um, but I, I think there's going to be more spling of carries um, than there was because I mean, for the most part, last year was two guys getting the carries. And same thing, in, you know, in 2017, I think it might be a little bit different this year. So I just don't know if one of those other options is going to get enough carries to be a thousand yard guy. Um, I do. I feel more comfortable with Herring between the tackles, although Cook has beefed up a little bit. I think Herring's a tougher runner can get some of those yards between the tackles. One thing I also say about Herring, though, I think is underrated is this guy. Like we always talk about James Cook being versatile, which he really is. But I think Herring is a versatile guy in his own right. Um, he's a guy that we've tried in the past. We've tried to get him involved in the screen game, the passing. I mean, look at the Texas game, right? In, in the Sugar Bowl, you know, he, he catches a touchdown pass. He caught a couple other passes. Get him involved in the passing game. He's a guy that I think, and he's also got involved in those jet sweep actions as well. Uh, he's a guy that I, I think can be used in different ways, much like James Cook. So I'm just very interested to see how we use all these guys with new offensive coordinator. I know Kirby's made it clear that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna run the football. That's who we are identity wise. But I, I think there could be some different looks. I'm interested to see how they are utilized. By James Coley this year, but if I, oh man, if I had to pick one, honestly, man, I know this sounds crazy. If I had to pick one, I might go with Harrion right now. That's if I don't think either one's in a thousand yards, but if I had to pick one who's more likely to be a thousand yard rusher, I might go with Harrion. Uh, I think he's gonna get more opportunities between the tackles. I, I, I think Cooks can get more opportunities doing different things. You know, I don't know if it's always gonna be like running the football, maybe you're talking about thousand yards from scrimmage. Uh, maybe Cook. I don't know. If, I mean, that's a thousand yards. That's a big number for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one. I'm gonna go with Harrion, but 
I don't think either guy gets a thousand yards, but hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully everybody gets a thousand yards. We'll see. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ podcast. Have some fun with this. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'd love to hear your feedback on uh, this segment. I know it's kind of new for us here. Uh, that's what he said. Uh, but uh, we'd love to hear what you what you guys had to think. So if it's something you guys want us to continue as we head through spring practice, and then once we obviously get into the the season in a couple of months, and it's getting closer, guys. I mean, I know it's only April, but we're you know inching ever bit ever closer here. Um, but yeah, so we, we enjoyed this, had a good time. We appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to us and supporting the show here. Uh, check back with us guys. And we'll, uh, we'll always have you guys covered throughout the entire off season. Again, if you're not subscribed to us on Podbean, give us a shot. All you gotta do is go to Podbean and click, actually you can just go to our Twitter profile. It's at glory underscore UGA. Click on the little profile link. It'll take you right to our Podbean page. If you're on a computer, it's a little yellow buy now button. Click on that. And within a minute or two, boom, put in your information. You are set to go. You don't have to have an account. It does all that for you. You don't have to go through the process of doing that. It does it all for you. If you're on a mobile device, do the same thing. Just scroll down to the bottom of our Podbean page, and that same little yellow Buy Now button will be there. But, uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And, as always, go dogs.